everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And on this episode, we are going to discuss how can we wake up others? So this question has been asked to us over the years by so many people. What they usually mean is how can I wake others up to topics they've been lied to about over the years? But the meaning of awakening can really mean different things to different people. So what one person's idea of awake is may be another person's idea of being asleep. So in this podcast, we are going to define awakening for starters, and we're going to define it from three different levels. So intellectual awakening, which is being aware of certain topics that we've been lied to about in the consensus reality, psychological awakening, and then the ultimate awakening, which is spiritual awakening. So we're going to discuss the issues with trying to wake people up and discuss, can you even wake people up to certain topics they've been lied to about? So can you can you uh, can you create an intellectual awakening in certain people? So we're going to talk about what works, what doesn't work, and how awakening really relates to the individuation process, which is really the process of becoming whole, becoming the person that you're here to be. And so we're going to touch on the idea of psychological awakening as well, what that relates to. So we'll touch on it in the first hour. And then for those who are members of our Veil of Reality membership forum, where you get access to the second hour of the podcast, we're going to dive deeper on that topic of psychological awakening in the second hour. And then lastly, again, we're going to touch on this in the first hour and go deeper in the second hour. We're going to touch on the true meaning of awakening from a spiritual perspective, we're going to discuss the concept of abiding awakening versus non-abiding awakening, which is basically like awakening that lasts and awakening that doesn't seem to last. We're going to talk about the misconceptions of awakening and what gets in the way of it, how disorientating the process of spiritual awakening can be, how your life changes after awakening, and how, again, deconditioning relates to this individuation or sorry, this awakening process, which relates to individuation. And we're going to be sharing quotes from several spiritual teachers about this process. So that's going to be in the second hour. If you're not yet a member to join our second hour, you can go to veilofreality.com slash membership, or just go to veilofreality.com and click on become a member under the podcast dropdown. Um, before we get into that, just one quick announcement. So Embodied Soul Awakening, which is our 14-week private online group coaching program and psychological and spiritual self-work, um, starts January 8th, um, has about four spots left. And so for those who are new to our work, basically we take people through a 14-week online group coaching program. We talk about embodiment. We talk about the path towards awakening, the matrix, shadow work, how to work with your triggers and projections, core beliefs. We talk about um, healing trauma and the nervous system. We talk about entity interferences with TICO, psychic attacks, critical thinking, ancestral work. Um, accessing the true self, universal laws, divine will, and the evolution of consciousness, reality creation, evolutionary relationships, conscious relationship skills, and evolutionary astrology, karma, and past lives. So we really cover a lot of topics way more in depth than that we kind of touch on in the podcast. So if you want to join us for this January round, just go to thetimeoftransition.com. It's also on the Veil of Reality website, and you can apply to be one of the last people to join. And again, that starts January 8th. So yeah, let's go into it. So let's just begin by <coughs> defining the different types of awakening. So maybe you can start by talking about, I think, what most people in I'd see claim the word awake means, which is being aware to certain topics that they've been lied to about. Yes, so that's a big one, and I've written about this over the years as well, that this uh, word awakening has been very much abused and overused or even misinterpreted because there are different levels. Ultimately, tr a true awakening, which we'll touch upon later on, is really awakening to your true nature, divine self-realization and union with the divine beyond our ego, beyond thought and all of that. Um, but what most people 
think about when we talk about awakening, the great awakening or having taken the red pill and all of that, it simply means on the basic level that they have some sort of intellectual, informational, quote-unquote, awakening uh, that they are able to see through the lies we're being told by the media, by the government, the mainstream, all the institutions, and see the truth and now start to seek truth. And it's mostly on an informational level, as I just said. Um, so that's what, in a nutshell, most people think about when we talk about an awakening. So there have been, you know, for everybody, that kind of quote-unquote intellectual awakening happens at different times. Usually, I notice with big world events. For example, for a lot of people, myself included, a huge quote-unquote awakening happened when 9-11 happened, 2001. Uh, for me, actually, a bit earlier as well, I always felt something was off, so I was always kind of drawn to question everything. But these cataclysmic global events, so to speak, that are very traumatizing, but they also do trigger an awakening. It's like a shock event, as Gurdjieff talked, and that um, a certain type of person gets shocked out of the complacent state, out of the sleeping state, and starts to question. For example, if 9-11 would happen, a lot of people then started to question the official story. Hold on, this is, doesn't hold up uh, to what's actually happened. doesn't even make sense on any common sense level. Even physics were laws of physics were displaced on that day. So I started questioning, hold on, the government was lying to us. What else are they lying to us? And then that can act as a trigger event, so to speak. And then you start digging down the rabbit hole and start to question other things, everything else you have been told or taught. And that's kind of like the proverbial taking the red pill. What is the matrix? We've been lied to. What is the truth? And you start to seek truth. But at the beginning is for the most part an intellectual process. Same with what happened over the past three years, specifically with the COVID pandemic, the um, medical tyranny, globalization, all of that. It also did trigger an awakening. For some, a rude awakening. It forced some people to focus on what truly matters and question everything. Even with the vaccine, people not only started to question vaccine, but allopathic medicine in general or the whole educational system. So that is a, definitely an awakening impulse, but it is mostly based on an intellectual informational level. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you mean by awakening impulse. Is the awakening towards realizing the true nature or not? You know, because yeah. I think that basically, like the the best that, that an intellectual awakening can do is move you towards a deconditioning process, meaning like deconditioning yourself from a lot of the ideas that you've picked up from culture about yourself, about the world, but it still is externally focused and grasping onto external ideas in order to define oneself. So I would say that if it leads, if that process intellectually leads to a deconditioning process, leads to you asking qu deeper questions and seeking truth, then it can be a stepping stone on the way to awakening. But I've also seen many people then get trapped in all of their conspiracy ideas yeah. and all of their thoughts about, you know, who's who's in charge here and like what's who are the real powers that be and what they usually do is then almost like create a new identity out of quote unquote intellectually having woken up to all the ways that they've been lied to about as yeah. well. You make an excellent point. So that kind of quote unquote always awakening because it's not really a true awakening. It's like you mentioned, very externally focused. And it's best at its best it can pierce through certain conditioning beliefs we always had and just repeated and never questioned we have taken on from official culture, society, education and all of that or the media. Uh, so but it is still externally oriented. And it can also trap oneself, as you rightfully say, just digging, I've seen this in myself years ago, I see this in many other people, digging down the rabbit hole, seeing conspiracies where there are not conspiracies or latching to all, on to all kinds of stuff that is just outlandish and simply not true. But it kind of appeals to the conspiratorial paranoid mind. And what you were referring to, we mentioned that before, is what Neil Kramer called then actually getting trapped in the quote-unquote second matrix of your own paranoid mind uh, because you're just externally oriented. You have not a deeper level of discernment because the deeper level of discernment to really understand reality is not just by critical thinking alone and using the mind. There needs to be an internal process of really connecting to self and essence. And that's when really the inner work comes in and we need to move to a more psychological 
awakening. Yeah. So let's also just cover that intellectual awakening, because I think that's really important, especially considering the times we're in. And I wrote this tweet the other day about it. And basically, I said the reason why it's so hard to wake people up to topics that they've been lied to about is because they'll have to see how one lie is merely a thread that leads to a whole web of lies. So you have to be ready to dismantle many of the things you've been told about reality to entangle yourself from this web. And most people cannot psychologically handle this level of disillusionment. Like yes. it really feels quite intense. You'll also come against your own cognitive dissonance when doing that. And I think that that actually especially considering how in, entrenched the propaganda is right now, that this is actually more necessary than ever as a stepping stone, because we've even seen this in ourselves, in our own communities. We've seen people who, you know, even in different spiritual communities that we've been part of, fall for all of the bullshit, basically, fall for all of the psychological operations. So it seems more now more than ever, and maybe this is because Pluto is about to enter Aquarius, which is an air sign, so we really need to look at the power of ideas, is we really need to look at like what we've learned to accept as the truth about reality, even just intellectually, and basically decondition ourselves from many of those beliefs. You make a very good point. That's why all of these different types of awakening are important and interrelated. Because as you just mentioned, for example, just having a psychological awakening and being aware of your stuff, your shadow, your trauma, all of that we look into shortly. But not understanding externally what the world, how the world works, coming to an intellectual awakening of piercing through the matrix mechanic, mechanics, a lot of People in you know the trauma space, psychological space, inner work space have basically went along with the agenda, even promoted the jab, got the jab, and all of that. So this intellectual awakening is absolutely on an information level is definitely absolutely needed. But the big issue is exactly what you just shared and what you tweeted about, um, which is that we're dealing with cognitive dissonance. What is cognitive dissonance in a nutshell? Even within ourselves, let alone other people, but within ourselves. You know, certain beliefs, it conflicts with our understanding of the world, our unconscious core beliefs, and literally brings some, the truth would bring up very uncomfortable feelings. It's unconscious, so we will rationalize it away. We don't want to look into it. And what you summarize in your tweet, I've seen this many times when I was in my, you know, young, naive days trying to wake up everyone about the truth of 9-11 back 30, uh, no, 23 years ago now, and all that, and would hit resistance and I wouldn't understand, you know, I, I made very logical sound arguments, just research it. It makes, it totally checks out. Um, if you just follow basic logic and do your research and apply critical thinking, but even that alone does not wake people up for the reason you mentioned, because it creates cognitive dissonance, because if they would allow to believe that, Hey, my own government or something else happened that is responsible for 3,000 deaths and started a million-dollar war on terrorism, resulting in millions of deaths and taking away freedoms for decades, it would open up a can of worms within them. They would not, <clears throat> excuse me, um, ready to face, so to speak, even within, within their own lives. If you question the world deeply, even just externally, you would automatically have to put the mirror on yourself and question your own life, your own um, career choices, family, your own beliefs, many other beliefs that are entangled in it because it's not just one isolated event. It really opens up a can of worms and some people are simply not ready for that on a basic psychological level and all these defense mechanisms come up. Yeah, I think there's also many traps of trying to quote unquote wake people up. Like I think first you have, I mean, I'm just talking from the intellectual level. So yeah. too, by the way, let me be clear. Um, because... Number one, like I know for myself, I mean, there's one thing like I really tried certain family members who were I knew were already very brainwashed by the mainstream media. And I knew that because when I tried to talk to them about the vaccine and told them, hey, please don't get it. It's, it can be very harmful for your health. They literally just repeated to me talking points from the mainstream media. It was like it was really 
disturbing to see actually because I could see in that moment that their thoughts are not their own. These have been conditioned into them because if you repeat a lie, that's kind of how propaganda works. You repeat it long enough and you can literally convince someone that I think there's this famous quote by Joseph Go Goebbels as well, where that you can convince them that a square is a circle. I don't know if you've seen that quote. Yeah. Um, so you, you're you really working with a very in-depth brainwashing uh um, in-depth brainwashing via the mainstream media. So it's very hard to pierce through that, you know, even, and it's, and it's, and I think that it, you know, trying to warn people, for instance, about the dangers of the vaccine. I think that a lot of us tried to do that. And for a lot of people, it didn't work for some people it did. And so when you're trying to warn someone about a clear and present danger, it's hard enough, but then, trying to uh, tell them about things in history that they've been lied to about or stuff that's the issues with the mainstream media or whatever, you know, since it's not a clear and present danger, I feel like for the most part, people don't care. They just like to be asleep and ignorant yes, to what's going on. That's a very good point. As long people are comfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as people are comfortable and not disturbed in their everyday life, they like to be asleep, right? That's almost like even Khaled Gibram said, comfort is the murder of the soul, the sleep opening masses. They actually awake or they're sleeping, dreaming to be awake, as Gurdjieff would say. But like I said, that's then certain events that happen globally when even with the matrix forces expose themselves with the attempted and further enslavement of humanity, it can also then wake people up because all of a sudden, hold on, what's going on? That's exactly what happened over the past three years. So there's an awakening impulse. But we cannot awake people via information up alone. If that would work, we would already be quote-unquote enlightened. You know, it's, it goes way beyond just posting information on social media and all of that. Uh, and also really understand you cannot force fully wake people up, even by information. Even look, with anybody listening to this podcast, look at your own process. Nobody quote-unquote forced you to wake up and made you believe certain things. So in light of waking others up just intellectually on an informational level, we need to understand certain concepts, even higher laws, so to speak, divine metaphysical laws in the light of the bigger picture, understanding the issue of free will. So there are two concepts I want to mention within that. One is called external consideration when you interact with somebody. And that basically means adapting to the worldview and belief of another person and thus not pushing information onto someone who didn't ask for it in the first place. It's really important to understand um, because sometimes even this approach involves actually supporting other people's illusions because they're not ready to hear the truth. That's a deep esoteric um, approach we talk about here. Or let alone be assisted in becoming unplugged from the matrix control system. In esoteric terms, that means that giving without sincere asking is actually a violation of free will. It may interfere with the soul lesson and path of the other person who need to come to these realizations themselves, you know? So they need to learn their own lessons, even if it entails long suffering and struggle, right? So in that sense, we cannot, quote unquote, do anything for another person or save them. If they are not engaged in the process of seeking truth themselves and have that inner call, right? We cannot do it for another, right? It comes, otherwise it becomes counterproductive, you get into arguments um, that only feeds other forces with all the emotional illusion, all of that. Definitely depends on the situation, right? Um, so we don't want to use it as an excuse either. But there needs to be a sincere impulse from the other person to wanting to be able to receive it as well and really be curious and ask for it, right? So the other concept... Tying so also, whose concepts are these again? Um, this uh, relates to uh, Gurdjieff's work from Gurdjieff. He talked about the idea of external consideration, yeah. right? Yeah. Also in terms of the work that... You don't want to just push your viewpoint or whatever you do on another person, right? You need to really kind of see where they are at, right? And the more you do your inner work, which you go deeper in this podcast as well, especially your psychological work, your inner spiritual work, that you can have a better perception of where the other person is and you become better at communicating, mm -hmm. which then ties into strategic enclosure, means, which also means having a strategy with regards to how to present information that may challenge another person's belief system, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's more productive to remain silent than to drop knowledge bombs and just overwhelm people with information or let alone trying to convince another person through argument and debate, which, again, is most often very counterproductive as well. 
Mm-hmm. It also ties into the saying, we've heard this before, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces, right? Uh, pearls in front of swine. We heard about this, the biblical description of cognitive dissonance, basically, right? Yeah, you know, it also kind of <laughs> relates to this concept called skillful means in Buddhism, which is basically the enlightened person's ability to tailor their message to a specific audience. But that is in context of obviously spiritual awakening. But I also see it in context with intellectual topics because you don't just like like blast someone with a truth that they're not willing to hear, especially doing it in an aggressive way, especially doing it at the wrong moment and wrong time. You need to have that awareness to be like, is this person curious? Is this a good time for this? And even if they're curious, you still are most likely going to come up with some degree of cognitive dissonance, depending on the topic you're trying to talk about. Exactly. Absolutely. It doesn't help. Also what's your communication, what your own triggers, Right. By the way, beginning, no, you're wrong, you've been lied to, and kind of almost like personally attack a person, even on the basic psychological level, that makes a person retreat and not take in or not be open for what you present. To any topic, by to the any way. Topic, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Um, because in the end, again, it comes down to that the drive to seek our truth and to quote-unquote awaken, even just on the information intellectual level, has has to come from oneself. No one can do it for another. No one can push another to do it, right? Until they themselves have that impulse to call within, something calls them to hold on what is really going on here. Yeah. And that's, that's what we can nurture, right? Um, most often people also don't start to seek truth or let alone engage in any inner work until they have suffered, right? And then are confronted with inevitable disillusionment and, and all of that, which happened over the past three years. Again, there's a paradox, like I mentioned with what, happened uh, with this attempted enslavement of humanity, how people were separated and experienced a lot of division and hardship and struggle within their relationship, that suffering did create an awakening impulse and people started to question it, right? Yeah, a lot of things have changed in the past few years and you see a lot more accounts, even on social media, focused on this kind of intellectual approach to awakening, meaning just being awake to the things that we've been lied to about. Yeah. Um, and there's way more now than there was exactly. three years ago. So you do notice a trend happening there. So that, you know, so it's really underst- important to understand these concepts, external consideration and strategic enclosure, right? Uh, but then you may ask, so how can we truly help others? Do we always have to be silent and censor ourselves? No, this is not to mistake and to silence yourself and censor. It's really understanding more how to navigate this realm based on higher laws and really how to become an effective agent of change so you don't also attract unnecessary opposition and the age of Smith syndrome towards you because of your really emotionally immature outbursts and just screaming at the world, wake up and all of that. This is not helping at all. Now, how we can do it is via what I call spreading seeds of awareness. For example, be it through your own writings on social media, just put information out, or even in a conversation, maybe hint at certain things very, you know, passively almost, and see how the other person reacts. Maybe they want to hear more about it, right? To kind of like test the water, so to speak. And like many seeds, some may sprout, some don't, don't have any attachment to it, but also don't underestimate the butterfly effect. Right? Yeah, so have you actually seen this work in your own life? Because you've obviously been doing this for a while. Like, where, like, just can you give a personal example of like how you've been able to make certain people aware of certain topics through spreading the, these seeds? Yeah, mostly I would say through my online work, through my website, or even on social media, my own posts, I don't even... Um, post on other people's posts, just putting information out there. And I remember even years ago, many when I first joined Facebook, 2006, seven people were, some people were very opposed, attacked me, this is nonsense and all of that. And then over the past few years, I've gotten emails back from these people, even sometimes t- 10 years later, I said, oh my God, what you said, you know, is actually true. It, you know, it, it opened something up within me. I looked into it, something happened in my life and I have to realize you were right on the money. Thank you so much for sending me that or, or, or writing about it. What it really topic in particular? made me question something. 
uh, be it anything back from the days from 9 11, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to nowadays, with now people actually, even people who first went along with the COVID agenda, start to quote unquote wake up, right? Yeah, that's a good example. Also admit, yeah. hey, you know yeah. what? You were onto something. You're actually right. I, 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 was, I was too much immersed in this psychological warfare of the media and bought into it. It definitely requires a certain level of humility to be able to admit that. Yeah. Which humility is actually a strength. It means you have already a connection to soul, to your true self, to be able to admit that to yourself. Because a lot of people, their own ego, their own pride is in the way That's true, to yeah. admit to themselves that they were wrong. And just having a degree of openness and not being attached to your opinions is really key. Like, I think the moment that you make an identity out of your opinions, yeah. then you get to be in trouble. Because if someone presents an opinion that's different to your opinion, opinion, you will literally feel like they're attacking your identity because you've made an identity out of your opinion. So I think the, the, the biggest thing too, for these people, and even to ask yourself when you're trying to make people aware of certain topics is like, how much is their personal identity entrenched in the opinions they've taken on? Because yes. they're going to receive a difference of opinion as a personal attack, if that's the case. And so that's you know, very that's very that's very important for both sides. Yeah. Even the so-called truth of movement, people are too identified with their opinion. Their yes. whole self-image is identified with that. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I see this a lot nowadays. For the record, I'm not part of any quote unquote truth movement. I've seen the issues over the past 30 years, you know, even when I was at certain truth or conferences or spoke at these conferences at certain events, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening, you know. Um behind the scenes or in the psychology of the of the so-called truth of movement, which is very counterproductive. And the problem with the so-called truth movement is has as it has become bigger nowadays as well, with many figureheads, uh, there's a lot of division and then infighting and and people don't agree about certain topics and divide and conquer and they're being infiltrated and all of that. We see this a lot nowadays. Yeah. Um, and but the, the problem with the so-called truth or movement is it is because it is purely mostly, for the most part, based on trying to wake up people only on an informational, intellectual level. Yeah, you know, yeah. Be it about pro-virus, yes, there's no viruses, yes, there is virus, or then you go even deeper into uh, any other topics down the rabbit hole, but it's always based on an information level. It's always externalized, Right. And then it becomes just a matter of debate and intellectual pride or people's own stuff gets involved they're not in, uh, aware of. And that's how an awakened impulse also gets easily hijacked. Not be, not be through some outside source of counterintelligence or controlled op, and that's kind of over-talked about these days as well, even though it exists, but through people's own lack of inner work, of lack of understanding of shadow work, their own triggers, projections, and all of that, they're easily being taken over. And that's how the truth of movement kind of destroys itself sometimes in a way. And they've also made a new identity out of now being aware of these topics, which I yeah. would argue, like, the awareness is good, but don't make an identity out of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, the trap of identification. If you already identify yourself, I'm a truther, I'm a truth seeker, you know? Yes. All of that, that's already... Or then the ego easily hijacks when you then call the sleeping people, oh, normies and sheeple and all of that. And um, you already put yourself up on a higher level, the, easily the superiority complex kicks in. Mm -hmm, and you look down mm -hmm. on other people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you may know more than regular people on an intellectual level uh, but that still doesn't say anything about your level of being and soul embodiment on deeper levels of awakening yeah at all really so let's just i just want to just so let's just give an example because i think this spreading seeds of awareness is a really important point i don't want to skip over it yeah so if i were someone who you knew and i was about to get another booster <laughs> And I was already not feeling well, but I was convinced that this is because I had long COVID and I had to get another booster. Like, how would you how would you first determine if I were uh, the right candidate to spread some seeds of awareness? What would you first look for? In That's me? a good question. It's hard to answer because for me, it's also in the moment specifically attuned to the other person. It's very intuitive what comes up in the moment. 
But I would just, the best thing is always to ask questions, mm -hmm. you know? So like, so, what would you ask me? So for example, so if not feeling well, have you have already taken a few boosters? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I would ask. I would try through my asking, through my questioning, my intention would be to make you become aware of it or question what you're doing mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. asking questions, almost a Socratic method, right? Mm -hmm. By asking questions, make you come to the realization yourself that rather than me telling you yeah. What is wrong with it? With so, what so what other questions could you ask? You know, you know, well, there's some, you know, there's some interesting research out there about, you know, I would even mention it at some point about the vaccine that it actually uh, may not be as beneficial as we have been told. Have you ever heard? Have you heard anything about that? You know, so mm -hmm. questions like that, and mm -hmm. and then if you would say no, I haven't, and like, well, are you, would you be open if I would send you something or let you know? Obviously, you want to have then also. The consent legit, to send legit. the information rather consent. than being like, why are you doing this? You're a sheep. You just believe everything yeah. the mainstream media tells yeah. you. Or don't take it. The vaccine is bad for you. It's going to yeah. get you sicker. Don't, don't. It's a depopulation agenda. <laughs> exactly. Kind of stuff. <laughs> well, stuff I write about, but a lot of the stuff I would not tell a person, a regular person in person. Mm -hmm. I would also mm -hmm. connect more on a human level, really tune into yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? even their fears and see in and and treat them more with compassion because we have to understand people get so angry with what they call normies and sheeple and all of that and yes they have been going along with the agenda yes they have been um really become quote-unquote agents of the matrix in their own ways yes they have installed fear and and pressured people to get the vax, for example but they still acted out of fear and deep conditioning mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Uh, mostly out of fear. Yeah. So th this needs to be understood. It's not their true self acting. So just getting angry with them, angry with them, and getting into an angry debate is not helping anything. Yeah. It's just going to feed those occult forces that control the matrix to begin with. Yeah. So how can a and the key concept is also trying to approach somebody without any attachment, like take it or leave it. That's mm -hmm. the key point of mm -hmm. seeds of awareness. Hey. Yeah, I have to share something with you. Are you open for it? Yes. If not, okay, great. No problem. Yeah, yeah. This also, moving on to um, how this relates to different stages of evolution in evolutionary astrology, which you know we've talked about before, but I really think relates to the consensus state, the individuated state, and the spiritual state. So... The consensus state, which is basically 75% of the human race, according to Jeffrey Wolf Green's numbers, who's created evolutionary astrology back in the 90s, could have changed, um, are people whose identities are basically an extension of societal norms, of the beliefs and customs of their time. So they completely identify with those, with whatever the mainstream believes. So they don't think for themselves. They don't question what society comes Come, uh, what, what society tells them. If they ask questions, they let it be answered by the experts. Like, oh, you know, they don't actually think for themselves. They outsource their ideas to people who are at the top of the consensus. So mainstream people, politicians, celebrities, etc. And the problem is, you know, because there's subdivisions within the consensus is that there is a, um, they're very self-righteous in their beliefs, which they get from consensus opinions. So, because it represents an unconscious security need. So the fact that it represents both the unconscious and the security need means that they're going to be unconsciously attached to them because it represents a source of strength for them. They're like, I believe everything that these celebrities, that these people I look up to believe. So that calms them down. It makes them feel secure in some way. Yeah. And so you also move through the consensus, you know, I'm not going to go skip through these divisions really quickly. Like the first level consensus Basically, the lower you are on the consensus, the more self-righteous you are with your beliefs. That's import important to understand. So there's three subdivisions of the consensus. The first subdivision of consensus have a limited self-awareness, but they're incredibly self-righteous in their beliefs, which they get from the people at the upper strata of the consensus, meaning celebrities, politicians, mainstream media, etc. The second division of consensus, these are people who more like want to get ahead in life. So if you think of the first subdivision, it's like the lowest strata of society, like just people who just believe what they're told, they don't question it, they just, you know, go along with it. 
And then the second subdivision, they want to get ahead. So they start to learn how the matrix and the mainstream works. And like, how can I, how can I kind of like leverage my power within this matrix reality? So they start to learn about more about the nature of society. There's, so there's an expanded self of self-awareness, but it's so they can get ahead. So society tells them, okay, you need to go to university. You need to do this and this and this. You need to get a PhD. You need to write papers in order to um, be respected. Then they're just going to do that, right? Because that's yeah. how society works. These are typically the middle class. And then the third subdivision of, success, of the consensus, these are when you start to uh, rise into the upper strata of society, positions of power. So the rich, the famous, the powerful. So they're more aware of the community, society, country, and they begin to expand their awareness to other cultures as well, but they're still self-righteous regardless of this expanding awareness. So they just want to be on top. So these are like the top leaders, the top politicians. Um, and then eventually at that, what according to what Jeffrey Wolf Green said, I mean, you can agree with this or disagree with this. He says that eventually at this upper level of the consensus, the soul starts to lose their desires and they start to wonder if there's more to this life and that's usually what begins this alienation process where they start to see like, okay, I have all the money, I have all the success, I have everything society told me to do, and yet I'm still not happy. And then they start to move into the individuated state. And the individuated state is where you start to rebel against the consensus state, against the mainstream. You now start to think for yourself. You don't just get your beliefs from what you're being told. You start to feel a progressive detachment from society. You start to experiment with different ways of viewing life, different philosophies, cultures. And, you know, there's also stages to that as well, where at the first subdivision of the individuation state, and we get a lot of people in our course who are in this place, by the way, because keep in mind, these are not rigid hierarchies. You move, you can move between a couple different levels, I would say. So there's a lot of people who move from like third sub third division consensus state. And I would actually argue even this people, the second subdivision consensus state, people are more occupying the middle class are now skipping that third subdivision and being like, I don't want that anyway. And they're moving to the individuated state. So I don't personally see it as like, I, I also have seen it in my own experience viewing people through these various stages that they, that doesn't have to happen yeah. in this like linear road, but that people can jump. So at this first subdivision of the individuated state, which is a critical thing, and I also want to remark that moving from the consensus, the mainstream to individuation is inherently traumatic yes. because you have to let go of a lot of the things that you've picked up from culture. Yeah. And so there's people who will stay kind of stuck between those realms, maybe even for several lifetimes, but definitely for many, many years in a single lifetime. Because they're uh, not able to let go of the old self, the oldest, not only like all beliefs, all detachments, all desires, even all dissociations, relationships, friends, exactly. and all of that. Exactly. They still, they want to almost have uh, two feet in two worlds, so to speak. Yeah. Right? They cannot fully let go and that actually ironically creates more struggle and more suffering because they want both. Yeah. They can, they're not fully giving themselves in to the process of individuation. Yeah. So basically in this first subdivision of the individuated state, which you can also think of as pre-individuation. So that's the consensus, the mainstream individuating, which is in the process of individuation and then individuated. So that's the whole goal is you can be in a process of individuating right. for many years. Mm -hmm. And so at this first level, this person will try to live a normal life. They're going to try to have a normal job, normal friends, yet inwardly they feel like, okay, I can no longer identify with this reality. But they're still attached because it provides as you know, Jeffrey Wolf Green said, security, familiarity. And I would also say that to the extent that childhood needs around belonging and validation are not met is to the extent they will like more latch on to that security via the outside world because those unmet childhood needs are being met through this attachment. Yeah. yeah. So I also want to note in the side note, we have talked about this before, about people who are new to this idea of process of individuation based also on Jungian psychology and 
really connecting to self as more becoming whole, more soul embodied, so to speak, it's different than what we understand or the mainstream consensus understand of the social cultural uh, construct of an individual. Mm -hmm. So the process of individuation has not is not much to do with becoming an individual in society mm -hmm. that is still influenced by social cultural norms. Exactly. It's a D if you can understand one thing about the individuation process at least how Jeffrey Wolf Green defines it, it's deconditioning. So it's deconditioning from every you've, everything you've picked up from your family, from culture, from the town you grew up in, from society, you're deconditioning from all of it. So at this first subdivision, you know, often people really feel like I'm living a lie because there mm -hmm. starts to become this inner friction. They're, they're in the old, they have like one foot in their normal life and then one foot, maybe they're starting to seek out alternative knowledge and books and information and classes and workshop. It's like that's their second life, but then their friends, their normal friends, they hung out with probably for a while their family they don't share anything about what's going on and what they're learning about so going back then tying this process of individuation that psychological awakening really with what we talked about before the intellectual awakening mm -hmm. so an intellectual awakening can actually help or be the seed or the trigger to go further towards an individuation process yeah of, if, of awakening, it, if right? it leads to individuation you know exactly but what i'm saying just intellectual informational awakening alone does not imply that people become individuated they can gather all the information but they still don't fully surrender to the process of individuation and i would argue because it's become such a big wave of things that you can still almost enter like a second consensus like a conservative consensus in a way That's true, yeah. where you're still getting your opinions from the mainstream but they're the kind of like counterculture like alternative voices out there and you're not thinking critically with the information that you're taking in from them as well That's and, a good point. and yeah. i've seen that happen so you know, just, just just to slowly touch on the last the last two, you know, the second subdivision of individuation, which I see this a lot in people where the soul basically begins to rebel in an extreme way. And then any idea that's part of the consensus, they throw off. So they throw out the baby with the bathwater. So we've talked about this before, but if like, the, the mainstream is talking about trauma. They're like, nope, that's what everyone else is talking about means nonsense. Like they basically just kind of, they they've they've garnered a certain level of individuality but they're so scared of losing it that they don't just want to be in the counterculture like they're very critical of society and they have a sense of self-righteousness built off their alienation like i'm awake they're the rest of sheep yes. like they can't reintegrate back into society which is part of the third stage individuation and i can see how the way that manifest shows itself as well if a lot of people especially in the so-called truth or movement fall into the concept of psychological splitting we mm -hmm. talked about this mm -hmm. as well very identified with their opinion very self-righteous no ability for nuance and just extreme, almost childish-like black and white thinking. Yeah. For example, we have mentioned this before, people see, oh, Elon Musk, he's evil, he's the Antichrist, he brings in Neuralink, and you know, he's a weep sheep uh, in wolf, uh, she wolf in sheep's clothing and all of that, he's evil, blah, blah, blah. Or the other side, the other extreme, no, he's a savior, he's all good, he's amazing. And these two extremes without nuance, maybe he's n not all evil, not all good, has his own issues, whatever, is not even controlled up. That word is being thrown around very carelessly, naively, and childishly almost. But it ties all into the splitting where the people can only see things in all good or all bad. Yes. And I see this a lot in the so-called truth movement. And that's why people get infights about these topics of certain people because they lack vision, they lack nuance. Why do they lack nuance? Because they're only externally oriented. They haven't made any sincere attempts to go within themselves, mm -hmm. face the darkness within, which they only project externally, mm -hmm. let alone any deeper spiritual work where you come to an not even intellectual understanding, but literally like a uh, like sixth sense, I wouldn't say vision, but really an intuitive sense. You can see the divine working through everything, through all behind, even evil and and things are just not as black and white as it seems to be through our egoic um, limited lens. Yeah. So I think this process of psychological splitting is very predominant in people who are only externally oriented and have not 
Yeah, and it's really the self-righteousness in the sense of alienation, you know, where like, oh, like I don't belong to the mainstream. And then you become self-righteous for your truth or beliefs or your alternative beliefs, right? And it's really a fear of reintegrating back into society is what Jeffrey Wolf Green said. And speaking of shadow work, like now we're mixing methodologies here, but, you know, Carl Jung said that the first step to individuation is engaging in sincere shadow work, which means looking at projections you have towards others, the world, looking at how you project your shadow onto the world, how you project your light onto the world. So I would argue that through this whole process of individuation that Jeffrey Wolf Green laid out, which I would say has a lot of truth in it, you have to be engaging in some sort of psychological inner work. So it almost goes hand in hand with psychological awakening, which we're going to talk about more in the second hour. But I just want to finish because the third subdivision of the individuated state, while the other ones are individuating, is when you begin to manifest a role in society as a truly unique and gifted individual. So through this process of separating from the herd, you start to discover who am I really outside of all of the conditioning that I picked up from society society, from culture, from my schooling, etc. And you start to become aware of something very unique that you have to offer to Mm -hmm. the world. So this is really important that there's a lot. And I see this a lot like You know, it's really easy to just sit online and just complain about what's going on in the world. But the real people who are going to make substantial changes are going to be these individuated souls who've gone through this process of soul seeking, who've gone through this process of removing themselves from the crowd, of deconditioning themselves from everything they picked up from culture and realize something truly unique that they can have to offer and bring back to the world to create the change that they want to see. So that's more of what I think we're seeing and what we need to see coming forward is and especially Pluto enters Aquarius, which is going to happen in January again. It kind of dipped back in uh, last year in the beginning of last year. But this is really on a more psycho-spiritual level, an opportunity for an individuation process. That's one of the aspects yeah. of this of this shift. That's a very important point. Before we close off the first hour, um, that reminds a little bit of Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, the call to adventure, and you find yourself and then you the the return, the call to the return and bring back the treasure. You have found your unique soul purpose, something you can contribute. You can help the world to become a better place truly through your unique expression, creative expression. And I would argue most of what people call awakening, this intellectual informational awakening, like you mentioned, people sitting on social media, just posting, this is wrong, this is wrong, you know, just post, but not really contributing anything productive um, in the sense of really helping the world, you know, helping the world to become a better place beyond just spreading information because that's extremely limited, but through your unique gifts. And you can only find your unique gift, your deeper soul purpose, what something only you can provide and nobody else if you have uh, progressed further in your process of individuation. And now not just that externally oriented, but internally oriented. Then you move also away from just consuming, but more truly creating and tapping into a creative power because ultimately, like you said, shadow work is key And the ultimate um, treasure of shadow work is really tapping into your creative potential you might not be even aware of, even gifts and talents you have buried within yourself, the treasure within, but you're not aware of yet. Yeah, you have to know yourself beyond what you picked up from your conditioning, from parents, from culture, because the main reason why, because what your parents and what culture could have showed you about yourself could actually not be true. You could actually be gifted at something else or you could have picked up false beliefs about yourself that you need to unlearn basically before you can find your gifts. So I just want to close by touching on psychological awakening and then close with this quote about spiritual awakening. So this is just the first layer of it all, this intellectual, and we've outlined how this intellectual awakening can go one of two ways, how to wake up others, how not to wake up others through spreading speeds of awareness, and how the main thing that an intellectual awakening can offer is a path to individuation. But if it offers another path to another consensus, just believing what the alternative influencers tell you and taking that in, then it's not, it's not, you're just almost tapping into another consensus. But then I think what I'm seeing a lot of, and this is kind of happening, I I personally believe because of the Pluto and Scorpio generation being alive who influence the collective culture, 
um, Scorpio relating to psychology um, is that there's a psychological awakening happening. So there's people who were formerly not aware of certain topics, like even attachment, trauma, how our childhood conditioning affects our lives later on, um, Young's work, shadow work, that are becoming aware of it. And there's way more people talking about it now than I would argue even 10 years ago. It's even getting like watered down through pop culture, which is a sign that it's reached the mainstream. So there's a psychological awakening happening. And then we're going to kind of answer the question, okay, like what do you do as a product of your own psychological awakening? Like once you start to heal these wounds within yourself to see how these patterns within your psyche, can you make other people aware of this? Like, you know, if you realize that you had trauma in your childhood, can you just go talk to your parents about it, et cetera? So we're going to talk about the psychological awakening and then we're going to really dive deep into spiritual awakening. So in my view, this is the real awakening. Like everything else is just a step, a, a potential stepping stone, but can actually get you further on the path. We've talked about why we think the intellectual awakening is more important now than ever because of, you know, how many people kind of fell for what, what went on in the past few years. But with spiritual awakening, I'm going to summarize it just by reading this quote from Adyashanti. And then in the second hour, we're going to really cover some really key ideas he talks about, because obviously I'm not enlightened. I mean, I've had experiences, but it will, it will be better if we talk about it through the words of someone who's been through it themselves. So, and he says, this is from his, his book, The End of Your World, spiritual awakening is a remembering. It is not becoming something that we are not. It is not about transforming ourselves. It is not about changing ourselves. It is a remembering of who we are as if we'd known it long ago and it's simply forgotten. At the moment of this remembering, if the remembering is authentic, it's not viewed as a personal thing. There is really no such thing as a personal awakening because personal would imply separation. Personal would imply that it is the me or the ego that awakens or becomes enlightened. But if it is a true awakening, it is realized very clearly that even the awakening itself is not personal. It is universal spirit or universal consciousness that wakes up to itself. Rather than me waking up, what we are wakes up from me. What we are wakes up from the seeker. What we are wakes up from the seeking. So it's not you waking up, you wake up from me, which is the critical concept. Yeah. And we'll cover that way more in depth in the second hour. Yeah, and also, as you just alluded to, there's many traps, how the ego easily hijacks yes. these uh, awakening impulses ties into spiritual bypassing and many other things we touch upon in the second hour again if you are not a member yet want access to all the second hours over 120 episodes now lots of good material go to my website veilofreality.com slash membership and you can sign up there and with that being said see you in the second hour mm -hmm.